All right, so we are gonna get started. Uh, thank you for joining us for Self-Care Sunday. My name is Al and I'm the pastor of Perch.Church. We are a hospitable community of faith for wanderers, misfits, and curious. And our tagline is to love Jesus and love like Jesus. And the way we do that is through our four core values, which is biblical, relational, open-minded, and service-oriented. And so we are so grateful and excited that you get to join us for our webinar today with Dr. Carrie Ann Horn. And if you are here joining us, then you've already accomplished the big step of um, checking in on yourself and making sure you're doing well because not a lot of people are even um, cognizant enough to uh, participate in something like this. So we are really excited and grateful that you are joining us for Self-Care Sunday. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements uh, before we get into our dialogue with Dr. Horn. Um, if you do want to, we, we are making this webinar uh, available for free as a service to anyone who might benefit from it. So if you want to know more about our church or if you do want to give a donation somehow, uh, you could go ahead and visit our website at www.perch.church. And on there, you could find our past talks and gatherings that we've had as a church. Um, and whatever else uh, you're curious about on their church, about our church, go ahead and go to that website. And even though this is Perch.Church that is hosting this webinar, uh, we are not gonna be practicing any traditional uh, religious practices uh, for today, uh, like praying or uh, I'm not gonna be giving a Bible-based sermon anytime during our webinar. It'll just be a dialogue, but we will weave in talks about spirituality uh, here and there. Um, so let me go ahead and introduce Dr. Horn for us today. Uh, Dr. Horn has been my therapist since the end of 2019. Uh, she is a psychotherapist and she is also working on a book um, right now, uh, which uh, I've been gracious to get little like bits and pieces of during our workshops together. So I've been very grateful for that. And during this time of COVID-19, uh, a lot of uh, racial injustices and tensions that's been happening in our nation um, the past few months and um, the economic crash and all of that stuff uh, that's been happening. I, I've been especially grateful for Dr. Horn um, being my psychologist and therapist um, in my life because uh, she always reminds me to check in on myself and has been walking me through this very, very uh, unstable and um, difficult time. And so uh, I thought we could all benefit from that. And so I'm very grateful that Dr. Horn is joining us today. So uh, thank you, Dr. Horn. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, before we get into uh, some of the questions that we prepared beforehand, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to let our uh, participants know um, like who you are and maybe how you got into psychology and therapy. Sure. Um, so who I am is um, Carrie Horn, <laughs> and I happen to have a doctorate in psychology. Um, the way that I got into therapy was, um, um, you know, if I, you were to ask me that a couple years ago, I probably would have said, oh, well, I was a very sensitive child, and I, you know, really, which is true, I was a sensitive child, and I, I really cared about other people, and I um, cared about people who I saw suffering or when I saw pain, I wanted to help. Um, today, I would say that I was um, a very sensitive spirit. And that's part of the work that we do in, you know, shrinking down, you know, shrinking, kind of um, separating from the world self, the false self, into the inner child is that we're connecting with that spirit, right? We're connecting with the spirit that we came into the world with, that spirit that knows where we come from, um, how we're all connected. Um, and so what I would say today is the way I got into psychology or the, the reason why I was drawn towards it is because I was born into this world with a very sensitive spirit that knew that we were all connected and on some level, although I couldn't articulate it, knew that this was that the pain and saw pain and suffering, and knew that that was not what um, where we come from or how it's supposed to be. And so I wanted to do what I could to help. And um, while other kids were reading um, novels and 
you know, nonfiction books, I, I tended to be drawn towards biographies and autobiographies and psychology books. And when I was about, about 12 or 13, I went to the library and I picked out a book by John Bradshaw called Homecoming. And it was about the inner child, uh, reclaiming your inner child. And although I was a child at that time, and so it didn't, you know, I, I attempted to apply some of the principles of the book. I was, um, as a child, I was inherently dependent on my parents. And so it, it didn't really, I couldn't, um, I related to the pain and suffering that John Bradshaw talked about in the book. I thought that the, um, the concept of inner child and reparenting your inner child seemed, felt relevant and it felt important, but I couldn't apply it at that time. So it sounds like even from a young age, like even from when you were a kid, you were interested in psychology, mm -hmm. uh, which is very <laughs> peculiar for uh, kids to be interested in psychology. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so maybe uh, in some ways, like, um, you're preparing like your whole life to become a psychologist. I would say even that God was preparing me my whole life to do this work with yeah. people to yeah. that. This is the reason I came. Great. Awesome. Um, now uh, we will get into a little bit of the um, inner child uh, work that uh, you have us go through, you know, during therapy. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a big fan of therapy. I've shared with you that I've been um, in and out of therapy for, I don't know, the past like eight years or so. And so uh, I, I, I tend to stick with my therapist for like at least a year. You know, I, I don't like to hop around too much, but your style of therapy was very unique. Um, so was there a way that you kind of like, for example, the inner child uh, language that, um, that you just use, like I've never really done that before you know, mm -hmm. before uh, my, my sessions with you. So like, uh, how did you kind of develop your style of therapy and psychology? Yeah, so, um, so again, if, I were, if you were to ask me that a year or two ago, I might say, I might give you the carnal mind sort of answer. Um, and, but uh, I really have come to understand that this is, um, that my style has been built in me by God throughout my experiences, including the experiences of frustration of going into a field and not feeling like I was getting the answers that I needed for my own healing first, but also to in good conscious help, conscience help other people. Um, and so part of the way that, you know, I, I mentioned that I had read this book by John Bradshaw and I, I was drawn towards the inner child concepts. Um, uh, and, but what I was finding is that the inner child, that the way that inner child is explained, a lot of people talk about inner child, but they don't necessarily implement it um, in a way that is palatable to people. Um, it wasn't palatable to me. And, and a lot of people who have severe trauma are trying to grasp it and they, there's a, a like they're thirsty for it, but it's not well understood and not well formed. Um, and so I started, you know, was doing this work for myself after, you know, I have probably 25 years of trying different therapeutic modalities and just not quite getting to the place where I really, truly felt relief and felt healing. And in 2012, I, um, my father committed suicide. And then two years later, my mother died of cancer and our home caught on fire and we had all of this stress, all of these things that kind of raised everything to the surface within me, all of the trauma that I had experienced in my life. Um, and I became extremely ill and I, my body started to decompensate. And, and eight years later, I was, um, uh, or, or probably, what was that? Maybe seven years later, I was, uh, because now I've, I've recovered from that, but the, um, I was at a point where I was getting receiving, um, uh, I was only able to eat two foods. I was receiving IVs twice a week and I, in order to stay alive because, and I was taking over a thousand dollars worth of supplements and I was seeing naturopaths and regular doctors and all of this stuff. And, um, 
and I was doing the inner child work and it, and, and it was, it was getting me to a certain point, but it wasn't uh, fully healing. And I began uh, sitting in communion with God. He, he started pulling me in. Um, and I began sitting in communion with him for six, eight hours a day. And I, I mean, I had already been in bed for 22 hour days, so it was nothing, you know, nothing different for me. And he began to start stripping me and he started to let me know he was already stripping me of the flesh, but he started to let me know that I was about to unlearn everything I thought I knew and, and literally impressed those words on me. And, um, though the, and what had gotten me to that point was the work that I was doing, uh, with my inner child that, that in doing that work, I was able to strip away the world and come to God as a child, which is what he's asked us to do. And in that process, um, he began to talk to me about the things that were going on in the world and the deception that has been, that has happened in the world and the, um, the things that we put before him, including academia and, and um, treating him and, and trying to usurp his power through academic ways of understanding him rather than sitting with him. And I began to understand that the, that the biggest thing that was missing from the inner child work was um, that the whole point of it was to bring ourselves to God as a child. And so that is, so to answer your question, he has built this work inside of me through completely stripping me down almost to death at the age of 40. Um, I, I had already had all of my will planned out. I had already had all of these arrangements taken care of because I truly believed that I was going to die. And in that process, he, he began to show me that the way that we treat the soul, which is, you know, he, in Genesis, it tells us that he, he formed us from the dust and he breathed um, life into our nostrils and we became a soul, right? We were a spirit, we became a soul. And we have uh, that we treat the mind body, mind, body, and spirit separately here on earth. And that that was, a, that was a man-made construct. So we go to medicine, we treat just the body, we treat just the, the mind. And we're lucky if we even get to the spirit, right? And so that is the part that I've incorporated within the, uh, you know, within the, the program that we do, um, which addresses the mind, body, and spirit along with the child. Yeah, um, that story in Genesis where uh, God uh, creates man and woman out of dirt and um, uh, he breathes life into, uh, into uh, humankind and that's how they come to life. Um, I, love that. I love that passage because uh, the word for spirit in Hebrew is the same word for wind and breath. Mm. And uh, a lot of people... Um, uh, like they, they don't, um, they don't, they don't know that. Right. So even when like I'm practicing mm -hmm. yoga, for example, right. They tell you so much to focus on your breath. Right. Like yes. pretty much every yoga session that I do is like focus on your breath or, or mm -hmm. like meditation. Um, they, they, a lot of it is like, they tell you to focus on your breathing. Um, and so much of it is tied in with your uh, human spirit. Right. And uh, whether people are, are aware of it or not, Mm -hmm. And um, that work of uh, uh, paying attention to your inner child and giving your inner child a voice, that was very uh, new for me. But at the same time, it was um, very refreshing because like uh, a, a lot of people, but like uh, me as an Asian American man in particular, like we are trained at a very young age to um, rush through childhood. Um, and so for me, uh, and a lot of it, probably, <laughs> a lot of it is probably because like my parents didn't know what that language was or, you know, um, or how important it is to cherish your childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I pretty much went from being a baby to being rushed into manhood, right? Mm -hmm. Like learn how to like get a job and like, uh, make a living and, um, so why do you think maybe so much of like culture kind of uh, like uh, wants to rush us through childhood? And why is it so important to pay attention to your inner child? 
I love that question. Thank you for asking it. Yeah, sure. What I believe about that, I believe that on a global level, because we have a version of that in every single culture, uh, in every single culture, there are strategies and tactics that are used to separate us from ourselves, right? And, and one of the things that we've gained from inner child work and doing this, you know, leaning into God is connecting with ourselves, right? Being able to get relief, bringing down our autonomic arousal so that there's safety, right? That's the first thing we start with um, because we know we can't integrate anything into our body or mind or spirit unless we bring safety. Then we do the inner child work to um, an inner parent work to soothe and validate and, and do um, bring um, healing and understanding and meaning making. And in every culture, there is a certain level of uh, certain tactics that induce fear inside of us, right? You gotta be this, you gotta achieve this, you gotta, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it causes us to separate from ourselves. Well, what happens, what have you learned? that happens when you separate from yourself. You, can't be, you cannot be connected to God when you're separated from yourself and, or when you're in your false self and your chi inner child work helps us to connect with our true self. That true self, that authentic, tender, gentle spirit that, does, that, that can say things like, I really wanted to play with them or I'm really hurt or I'm really, you know, I, this is what I, I wanted this and, and um, or even allows us to dig our heels, right? And that is our true self. And so being able to soothe that self and then bring ourselves to God rightly, or that empowers us to be able to bring ourselves to God rightly in our true authentic self. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, this, you reminded me of a, uh, of a conversation I had with my four-year-old son last night because, um, he got into a fight with his big sister about, you know, something silly. And like, uh, I asked him like, Oh, uh, tell me something that like, uh, made you sad today. And, uh, he said, Oh, when I got into a fight with my sister and then I said, Oh, um, why, why did that make you sad? Or how did you feel? Yeah. I asked him how, 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 how does that make him feel? And then he kept talking about what his sister did, you know, what my, what my daughter did. And I was like, Oh no, but tell me how you felt. And then he kept talking about what she would, she did. And I was like, no, tell me how that made you feel. And then, uh, and then he was getting it. And he was like, I felt mad. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, that's great. You know, uh, but and I, I was thinking about that last night after I put him down and I was thinking like so many um, men don't know how to do this. Like mm -hmm. talk about their feelings. Right. When people ask them like, how are you doing? They talk about like the circumstances around their life or what's happening at work or like, you know, um, some, something someone else did, mm -hmm. right? But when you ask them like, no, but how are you feeling? Like a lot of people don't know how to do that, right? A lot of times people will even say how they're feeling, but they're totally disconnected from it because they have this therapized mind or this, you know, this new age ideology, idea that you that everything is controlled by your mind and that's not true. We're a soul, we're a mind, body, spirit. And we even know that, you know, what, what we experience is actually encoded physically in our bodies, right? And something about um, doing the therapy sessions with you, like, um, you know, one of the things that you have us do is, uh, you know, you have us write in our journals, right? And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I brought my journal here to, just, just to show uh, our that you're doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to show a page where um, I was writing with my, oh, so yeah, here. So right here, I'm writing with my non-dominant hand. And right here, I'm writing as a parent, right, uh, to my inner parent, to my inner child. Um, and something about like writing in my journal with my non-dominant hand from the voice of my inner child, it, it's very uh, new to me. Um, but it, it, it brings about, it brings out something like very raw and like visceral, right? Um, can you explain to us like how that process is? And especially you're like writing with my non-dominant hand, like, yes. um, what's the, I don't know if you could. The phenomena. Yeah. Or the psychology behind it. Yeah. You got it. I wanted to, before I answer that question, I want to make sure that I finish up the, the earlier question, which was about why do you think that this happens within culture? And, um, and 
it's a it's a very good question for this very reason is that the the adversary's goal his goal is to destroy us by separating us from our father and so when we're separated from ourselves if he can separate us from ourselves and he can even say oh well the way to you know be be strong be strong use your mind use your mind and be strong think your way through that if those are all tactics to separate us from our true self because when my father killed himself i couldn't think my way through that i couldn't change my thinking about that i couldn't look at you know i couldn't pull myself up by my bootstraps i had to feel that and feel what that was and and ask the hard questions and make meaning and bring that to god and all of those things that we came here to do. So if the enemy keeps us busy, or the enemy keeps us distracted, or the enemy keeps us disconnected from ourselves, he is winning. He is, ultimately, he's obviously not gonna win. We already know that, we've already been told that. But that is a tactic and strategy of the enemy that is used all across the world. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and that ties in very well with like, uh, why it's important to do this inner child work and like how is that it has been therapeutic for me every time we do it you know um, it's hard right yeah. and it's painful sometimes like to acknowledge these feelings that I've had like buried deep down that I was just trying to ignore mm -hmm. um, it's, it's painful but it's it, it is very very healing and what is it about the psychology of like the inner child work that's so therapeutic and so healing you didn't give me that question ahead of time. No, I did. <laughs> so I gotta think. I did it. No, just no, I minute. thought of that right now. Um, yeah. What I is that right it now. about yeah. it? Yeah, no, that's that's totally cool. Um, the the phenomenon of writing down what your child says, right? Of of so first of all, we start with the bringing down our autonomic arousal and establishing safety in our bodies, right? Because if we're in a heightened state of autonomic arousal, which we, you know, we commonly refer to as PTSD or, you know, PTSD response, or um, then we're not able to, we already know that we'll have disruptions in encoding. We won't encode because our bodies and our minds are focused on, and our spirit is focused on preservation. Right. And so that's what it is. That's what we're focused on. So it'll be very difficult if we're in a heightened state of stress or fear to be able to encode. So we, we do that first. Then we, um, I do certain exercises with you guys, like the, like the story time that we do. And um, that story time is a, a kind of a, a way of bringing some feelings to the surface. So you're basically from, if you want to break it down into theory, what you're doing is you're projecting whatever pain it is that you need, that you have within you, that's getting elicited. It's kind of like watching a really touching like um, movie or commercial that, you know, evokes emotion, right? And so you're evoking that emotion and you're bringing up a layer so that God can uproot it. Well, we have certain work that needs to be done in order for that to get uprooted. We're here to learn. And so, um, so there's certain work that we do, but we invite God in, we bring our authentic selves, we give ourselves as a child permission, as an adult, we don't give ourselves permission to say, that really hurt my feelings, because we're told, we've been trained by this world that to do that is, you're a wimp, be a big boy, you know, things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're too sensitive, right? Yeah. So that allows us to bring our most tender authentic selves and strip away the world right mm -hmm. it, as much as possible in that tender child and it allows us to have permission to bring up certain traumas and um, unresolved suffering which all of us have that's what trauma is it's unresolved suffering being in this world creates suffering yeah. there's no way to avoid that just the fact that we've been separated from our family and our father um yeah. you know in in that regard yeah yeah i love that definition that you gave of trauma which is a uh, unresolved suffering because um when something traumatic does happen and people just want to like pretend like it doesn't affect them then you carry that trauma with you and it's like uh um 
uh, like what uh, what what are some of the detriments of of that? Uh, some of the mm. detriments of like uh, ignoring that those kinds of traumas. Um, yeah, blaming God. Um, reactive constant reactivation. Mm. And if we don't know that that reactivation is providing us an opportunity to heal, then we're just going to try to stuff it down. That's the number one uh, psychology says that's the number one um, defense used to um, when we're experiencing painful feelings or traumas is to repress, to stuff it down. So it doesn't see the light of day when we stuff down what we call, you know, what we think of as negative feelings we're stuffing everything down. So basically we are stuffing down also elation, joy, pleasure. And when we do that, we start to experience things that psychology calls depression, anxiety, you know, things like that. And we also, the other detriment is that when we don't resolve our suffering, we, um, our brain has a need to, to make sense of that. And so we begin to act that out. What do we act that out in? Do you remember? How, how we act that out in um, compulsion we'll end up having a compulsion so our brain has a need to make sense of what we've experienced in our lives and so if we are not able to make sense of that if an adult didn't come alongside us and help us to make sense of it to understand it to heal from it uh, to validate it to see us and know us then all we had the best strategy we had to do as a child was to take it and stuff it and not yeah. see the light of day. Well, it's not, it, that's not, it doesn't actually work because it keeps wanting to come up and make sense, right? It keeps wanting to understand. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that we act that out in a compulsion to repeat yeah. the experience. This is yeah. why we have situations in which uh, someone will marry their abusive parent, right? They'll marry a version of their abusive parent and they'll just continue to act this out in relationship after relationship after relationship yeah. um, and obviously many more things and so they'll act that out either as a victim or as a perpetrator and so th that is a, a, a it's a, a cunning tool that the adversary uses to keep trauma going and yeah. to continue to separate you from your father and as you know when you have PTSD and you have culmination of trauma your body is in constant alert right so now he's got a way to keep you in fear mode and he's got the culture working with it as well saying, um, don't be a wimp, don't be too sensitive, uh, you know, think your way through that, use your brain. And if you don't, you're, there's something else wrong with you, <laughs> blame the victim, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, and so you're just getting hit with all of these, with all of these tactics of the enemy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That what you're saying um, like resonates with me so much because like when I was a, a kid, um, again growing up in a Korean American like family, like my uh, parents kind of raised us in a shame-based culture, and so uh, they told me never to talk about like my problems with anyone else outside of our immediate family, and so, um, but I didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents about this kind of stuff and. Uh, and uh, so, and if I couldn't talk to my parents about it, then I literally wouldn't talk to anyone about it. And so, yeah, that thing that you were saying about you just stuff your, all your feelings. Mm -hmm. And that explains why I became a very depressed kid. <laughs> I like was depressed, like all throughout my childhood and teenage years. And I couldn't really explain why. And you know, what you're describing like perfectly uh, elaborates why I was depressed. It makes like total mm -hmm. sense, yeah. And now that I actually do talk about my feelings uh, in a healthy way, I'm not nearly as depressed as I used to be. So that's amazing. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Um, now, uh, uh, there's the another thing, may I? Oh, yeah, yeah, please. There's one thing that, that comes to my mind as well is that, you know, these, these um, hits on you as, um, you know, as a, as a young person, like these hits of the enemy, right? These attacks on you throughout your life. Um, I think it's really important to understand that, that, um, that first of all, that all of those hits are used for good, right? God uses anything for good. He will use it to build you. And I know that's true for me. And one thing that I have personally experienced, and I wonder if this is, um, I suspect that it's also true for you because you're doing brave work of, of working with souls and, um, and, uh, speaking truth and, um, 
And so one of the things that I know for me is that, uh, that I'm 100% certain of is that I have experienced those hits from a very young age, that my spirit just did not know what was coming at her. And, um, and that those have been hits against my purpose, against his will in me in this life, right? And the work that, you know, if you think about how many people we're affecting and how brave and courageous that work is to do, because this isn't popular to talk about. People don't necessarily, um, there's good, there's obviously good news in what we're talking about, but there's also, you know, some people don't want to hear the bad news or they want to hear it sugarcoated, you know? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, one of the things that, uh, well, there's like several things that I appreciate uh, about you, especially when we're doing our therapy sessions together, is that like <laughs> the most therapists that I've worked with like are very, very um, professional, where like they don't really divulge too much personal information about themselves, but you're actually like very open with us and um, like candid with us, which is new for me. Um, uh, but that also helps uh, me open up uh, during our sessions some more too. And then the other thing I appreciate about you is that like you don't ignore the human spirit in our like, like therapy sessions. Like, um, you know, a lot of like psychologists and therapists tend to focus only on the mind and the heart mm -hmm. um, and kind of, I don't know if ignore the holy, uh, the spirit is the right word, but like, um, don't acknowledge it, right? But you mm -hmm. are very explicit about it. And when we're doing uh, group therapy, you know, with some of the other uh, uh, clients um, uh, of yours, like, you know, not all of them um, uh, recognize that language, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that's been kind of interesting, like for me as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, to see kind of like that interaction when you're trying to lead us through that, like, mm -hmm. uh, work of spiritual healing. Um, and, and some people uh, have never used that language, but like, so why is it important for you as a psychologist to uh, acknowledge the spirit and to, um, uh, to do <coughs> spiritual healing, spiritual work? Yeah, even, thank even you for, for people, even for people who don't like consider themselves like, like Christian or like uh, right. spiritual, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's important for me as a, as, um, as God's child and as, uh, as a person who has been entrusted with the care of souls to live, well, it's important to me to live with integrity and to live within my truth. And there was a period of, there was a time even when I, I started actually writing, re, not rewriting, but adjusting the book because I was trying to make it so accessible to everyone that I was diluting God's truth, you know, that he built in me. And I was using this, you know, like new age language. And, and then I go, that just, just doesn't really fit. And, you know, that's not, um, it's, it's not, it's not the truth. And, and I was corrected. God corrected me on it. And so it has become important for me to use the language that he's built in me um, to speak from his truth and to not put my carnal spin on it and, and to, to write it and speak it exactly as he speaks it to, to me. And so that is why I speak the way that I do in the, in the meetings. And, um, and I fully respect whatever it is that, you know, and I'm, I'm upfront about it. This is what I believe. And this is what, this is how I will speak. And so if it's not going to work for you, then it, you know, I, I, I just can't compromise. And surprisingly, um, or not surprisingly, people are thirsty for it, right? And, and, so, and they're hanging around for it, even though it's not necessary, it's not the same language. Yeah. So I think that's very interesting, the work that God is doing there. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it might be unfamiliar to um, some of them, but like, if they still try to work at it and, and do pay attention to their spirit, um, like, right. uh, yeah, some, a lot of good things come out of it. Um, a lot of healing does come out of it. And that's right. Um, and the, uh, to answer the second part of that is that, um, that I believe that it is a very big mistake to treat, to, um, to treat the human being, 
Mm. We're not human beings, we're mm. souls. Mm. And so if we are treating the human being, which is what the majority of, that is what the majority of disciplines do, they, they think of us as human beings, um, then we never heal. We never fully heal, right? Yeah. We're treating a symptom of who and what we are when we do that and then it's the same thing well i, I won't go off on my, yeah. my well I, I, I was curious so box about that. I, I, I was curious like uh how how you make that distinction you know human beings versus like um spirits so yeah yeah yes when we don't understand that there's been that the that there is an adversary for example that some people don't believe in an adversary. They don't believe that, that there is um, an enemy who is attacking our relationship with our father. Um, and when we don't acknowledge that, what happens? We don't, we, we're not able to protect ourselves. You know, I mean, first of all, we're not able to protect ourselves in general. We need the father to protect us. And so that's one example of, um, and so when we start to think of that as, um, when we start to think of what, what happens is that one of the tactics of the enemy is that he says that man did this to you, man did that to you. So be angry with man and then stew on it and stew on it. Well, why would he do that? And I see this a lot when I'm working with, um, with people who've been through what they call narcissistic abuse, right? There's a, a person who has been vulnerable because they don't maybe maybe they don't do their own work they've had their own trauma and they're vulnerable to the enemy using them as a scapegoat and a tool to hurt other people right and maybe they're acting out their own compulsion to repeat as um as a perpetrator maybe that's it i don't know it's but to try to figure that out distracts me from what's actually going on which is the enemy is working through that person to attack me I rebuke it. I let them on their way. I focus on myself. That is the difference between what the, the, the uh, treating the human being looks like, which is, well, let's try to look for all the signs of a narcissist. And that way you can, well, the enemy, he, he keeps up with that, right? He chameleons. Um, and disguises and contorts and you know creates new ways of attracting of attacking us and so if yeah. we understand yeah what's happening and that that is an attack on our soul and this isn't just a human being interacting with another human being then we know what to do how to protect ourselves we know to put our eyes on god and to rebuke that and yeah. invoke his protection yeah. yeah and to work on those vulnerabilities within ourselves yeah. right because there's something within ourselves within yeah. our soul that maybe we put that person before god so that's working with the soul that's understanding yeah. the spiritual truth rather than what man has created in a bunch of theories that clearly are not working mm. yeah yeah and, and it almost sounds like um uh like human beings are just <laughs> functional animals or some, some kind and like uh, acknowledging our spirit is like, no, we're more than just animals, right? We do have this like spirit that is uh, given to us by uh, someone um, <laughs> divine, you know, someone kind of uh, above uh, this animalistic world. Um, human beings are human of beings. this world. Soul, mm, a yeah. soul is of God. And yes. so when we acknowledge that we are a soul rather than of this world, which is what the adversary would create, has created, then we can strip this away mm. and we can understand. So this is human being is your false self. Mm. That's what you unzip mm. when you, uh, you know, and let it fall to the ground, unzip it, let it fall to the ground. That's the human being that you are stripping away when you're doing that work. Mm. And you can connect with that authentic part of yourself that feels good, that feels valued and, and cherished and authentic, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I can breathe now. Yeah. I can breathe now. I just stripped away that human being. Yeah. yeah. You get me? Yeah, that's beautiful. Does that make better sense? Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, uh, one of the things that you uh, also encouraged us to do, like um, 
if I could say, like, you give us homework sometimes, uh, which is to, like, check in on ourselves. And uh, one of the things that you encourage us to do, like, every day is, like, every morning when we get about, uh, get ready to tackle our day is to, like, check in with ourselves, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I love putting, that you're doing putting that. The hand on, yeah, putting your hand on your chest and, yes. like, you know, uh, talking to our inner child, you know, like, um, how are you, like, how are you feeling, you know, things like that. And um, that has been especially helpful for me during this time of uh, COVID-19. Um, why is that so important for like everybody to be checking in with themselves? Um, I mean, we should be doing that like re regularly regardless, mm -hmm. but um, especially now, like why do you think it might be more uh, important to check in with ourselves um, <clears throat> during this time? Yeah. What do you think is going on right now with COVID-19? What do you mean, like in the world? Yeah, from a spiritual, when you connect with your soul, what do you think is happening? What do you think God's doing? Well, I think that God might be reminding <laughs> us um, that uh, we're supposed to be like stewards of the earth and a lot of the stuff that's been happening as a result is we're not being good stewards of the earth. That's one thing. And um, like the racial injustices that's been happening, um, it's not like that's new, but now uh, it's just being like more and more exposed. Part of it is because of like our smartphones. Like we always have a camera. We always have like documentation uh, readily available, you know? So uh, God is also reminding us with all the racial injustices that's being exposed is that like, we're not loving our neighbors like as we should. And so it's almost like a, like a reckoning, like mm -hmm. it's a season of reckoning for um, <coughs> humanity. There's so much, right? I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I believe that this is spiritual correction. I believe that, um, that we've put a lot of um, people and disciplines in front of God as false gods, which includes science. Um, I believe that we have taken research and we've said, um, I, I, there, there's a lot in this, right? That we have, when we hold research up above God and that we, that the adversary has used that as a way to shrink down truth to only what's measurable. And so out goes God, out goes, you know, um, anything that we can't measure and God, we know that God is bigger than anything that can be measured. We can't put in a box. Yeah. And it's almost like a form of a self-worship, right? Like you're putting um, ourselves on a pedestal and like That's making right. uh, idols of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And not having the full context. Science is a, is a speck of dust in the knowledge of God, right? He created it. It doesn't impress him. We don't impress him with our ideas and our theories and our research and our, you know, whatever. Um, and so I do believe that, that for those of us who have balked at surrender, that we are being taught what surrender is. And I also believe that this is not something new in history. Uh, there have been many stories in which, um, documented in the Bible, in which destruction was going to come on the people. And they, um, you know, those who continued to put false idol, you know, to worship false idols, to um, attempt to covet and usurp the knowledge and power of God, that they were destroyed. And then there are also stories, many stories, where God, where, where the people fasted, prayed, repented, put on sackcloth to represent humility and strip away the, the earth or the world from them. And, and they, you know, they, they uh, corrected themselves and God immediately gave them mercy and I'm so easily, you know, he wants to give us mercy. He wants to save us. He wants to love us. So uh, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, the, it's important. You're saying uh, it's important for 
human spirits to check in with ourselves to pay attention to what god is like doing in us and like what what how god is speaking to us it's a way of um of putting that first before we go out into the to the world right and so we're it's almost like putting on our armor and um but it's more than that. It, it allows us to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, right? And the reason I tell you guys to do it and, and the reason I do it myself, first thing when I wake up in the morning is because I've been asleep for a while. My defenses, my defenses have been down. And, um, and, and also because when I, was, when I was a child, I shared with you that it was like, okay, get up, get going, you know, <laughs> like, uh, go produce, go be a machine for the world, go do something with yourself, make yourself useful, right? Um, and so for me, uh, personally, that's part of like my experience that, you know, I believe, you know, is in some ways is an attack that I need to, when I get up in the morning, I need to re immediately remind myself who I am and who I serve, yeah. right? Who yeah. is my my owner? And I, I think that the, um, or my master, the, the, the comment that you made about making ourselves God, God's is really important. There was something that I was having a conversation with my daughter uh, about a week ago. And she said, you know, mom, we're taught to brand ourselves. My generation is taught to brand ourselves, right? What is, I, even though that use of the word was like, it like gut punched my spirit, you know? Mm, yeah. And she said, um, she said, I, I don't buy into this, that the, you know, this whole, like being on, on Instagram and, um, and having followers and branding yourself. You, you know, the word branding is, refers to the searing of, a cow, of cattle's rear to tell who their owner is, right? And so here I'm branding myself with sex, with money, with status, prestige, and this false self. Who do you serve when you're branding yourself with that? You are telling people who your owner is. You are telling people who, whom you serve. And then you have followers and that somehow esteems you how many followers you have. It's a, it's a very profound setup and preparation for the Antichrist, in mm -hmm. my opinion. And, and I, I just believe that wholeheartedly, mm -hmm. that there are so many ways that we are being prepared in these last days and deceived with things that most people might hear me say that now they'd be like, Oh my gosh, she's like, she's just too much with that. But it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the branding thing is really um, profound. I, I totally forgot that it comes from like uh, cowboys, like branding their cattle, you know? Um, and then also didn't um, uh, some like slave owners used to do that to their slaves too. Um, by, I would by, not be surprised. Yeah, by awful. making some sort of marking, you know. So it's almost. Yeah. It, it reminds me like uh, you're gonna. Everyone's gonna have a master, right? Like you're gonna be a slave to someone or something, mm -hmm. right? And no one is truly their own master, right? You're That's gonna right. be a slave of the world or a slave of God, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's. Really but it's a it's profound. a it's a disillusionment, and it plays off of. Um, it, it's playing on people's desire to be their own God, to be in control, to, you know, to usurp the power of God, right? Same thing with the whole think your way into blah, blah, blah. Well, who needs God? Well, I could just think my way. I can manifest. Like, we don't manifest anything without yeah. God, right? God manifests through yes. us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things that um, I uh, also appreciate about you, like, and, you know, doing these uh, group workshops uh therapy workshops uh with you has been really interesting to see how you interact with other people and um you're uh pretty uh like honest and uh like uh quick to correct someone when they're like when you see them like self-medicating or like self-diagnosing mm. um uh so like what are some things that maybe people should be careful of like during this time because that's so easy to do, especially if you're just alone for so long <laughs> and you're yes. listening to endless podcasts and like watching like a whole bunch of like self-help mm -hmm. like stuff on YouTube or whatever. Like that yeah. could be a very slippery slope, right? So yeah. um, 
what are some things that people should be careful of during this time not to like self-medicate or self-diagnose? Thank you for asking that because it goes back to that other question of what's going on right now. I really believe that God is bringing us into communion. You know, he's, it, he's bringing us into communion. We've, we've been in quarantine. Well, what do you do in quarantine? You spend time with God. He's, ta- he's, he's stripped away all of these things. And people are like, no, I have the right to not have to do that. All right, you do. You absolutely do. You have the choice to not be in communion with God um, and to not uh, be and to not sit with yourself. And from my perspective, um, uh, and this is not to minimize the tragedies and the, and the, that have happened as a result of COVID, but, um, but the other side of this, right, God takes everything, everything bad and will, and will use it for good. And I really believe that, that he is a lot, that, that this situation, for me, it's given me permission to slow down. It's given me permission to, to say, oh, it's COVID. I mean, you know how hard it was to say I'm chronically ill and I don't know how I'm going to feel day to day. <laughs> this like just gives me permission to say, uh, you know what, due to COVID, can't do that. I can't do that or whatever. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, that's one way to look at it is that we have permission to be with our families. We have permission to slow down and do the things that we're always saying, gosh, if I wasn't working, I could blah, blah, blah. We have permission, most importantly, to sit with God in communion and correct ourselves because there's not much more time before he comes you know? Yeah. And I, I've shared with you, um, like one of the things that like, um, God has been teaching me is like to, uh, feel comfortable in my own home. Right. One of the things that I shared with you was that like, uh, growing up, I didn't really feel safe at home, but now because I'm forced to be at home all the time, like I had to learn to be comfortable, like mm-hmm. living at home. And, um, now I, I really do feel like it's like a safe place. And, it's a haven, awesome. uh, even though it's been safe, like pretty much as soon as like I got married, um, internally, emotionally, I wasn't able to feel that. And mm-hmm. the other thing that I was reminded of, like, as you were sharing is that like, um, people, uh, there's a big difference be- between like isolation and solitude, right? Like, ah, I love that. yeah, like big isolation is like, you're just really, really by yourself and yeah. like kind of cut off from the rest of the world and from your loved ones. But solitude is you're still alone, but you're not really alone because you're acknowledging this relationship with God, that God is always with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even when you look at stories of like Jesus going into the wilderness to, to pray. 40 um, days, 40 nights, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, he wasn't, wasn't complaining about give me COVID or give me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so it, it, <laughs> while a lot of people during this time might feel very, very isolated, maybe it's an opportunity that God is giving all of us to experience like restful solitude, mm-hmm. right? Like soul nourishing solitude. He's talking too. He's talking more. And so part of what I would say is pay attention to your dreams, pay attention to what he's saying, sit and listen, still yourself. And that's part of what inner child work helps you to do is to still yourself so you can actually hear what it is he's trying to say to you. Yes. Um, and I mean, he's talking in every single way, you know? Uh, yeah. One, yeah. Th- that's been really, really hard for me to just be still and, um, mm-hmm. Like going on, like going on walks without listening to something was so difficult for me to do. But mm. now I, I love it. Like going on walks alone, like not listening to anything, no music, no podcast, nothing, you know, and just going on a walk for like an hour or two. Yeah. That used to scare the crap out of me. Um, yes. But now I actually like embrace it. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a me coming to grips with like coming to this place of um, being comfortable with solitude and whereas before I think I was really really afraid of isolation so mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah I would also say one I, I love that I'm so grateful to hear that Al that that um, that you're experiencing those benefits and and the number one reason why I do these workshops is you know I, I offer them at a low cost I make them accessible to people um, is truly because I believe that this is the work that I came here to do and to 
help people to facilitate their relationship with our heavenly father. Mm. The other thing that I would say is that it's, it's, it's about that within regarding that solitude to use your word and, and communion with God is that many of us are, have been hiding our face from God, right? We've been mm. hiding our face. So we don't want to deal with the ways that we've been living our lives. And so for some that's compelling them to want to go back out and distract themselves. And, you know, we're in, we're living in a time of, of such incredible and insidious distraction and, mm, um, yes. Yes. And, and, and deception. And so setting our phones down, setting down all of those things, fasting, fasting, what is fasting? Fasting is ridding ourselves, stripping ourselves of all of those things, which we have put before God and time with God. Right. Mm. And so if we feel that we are hiding our face from him, we need to work on our hearts mm. that this is the time for us to be doing that, to work on our hearts. There's not much more time, right? Mm. Like just to, to, um, to start, you know, talking with him and repenting for the things that we feel bad about. He wants that from us. Yeah. He came here so that we had a way for him to, you know, to be able to bring that to him and that he covers the rest, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, I, I was just having a conversation about this with uh, um, one of my church members the other day is that like, um, like she, she kind of had like difficulty calling God the father, right? Because uh, her relationship with her father was not the best. And um, and uh, you know, she was wondering why God is called the Father, and I think it's because like God wants to be approachable, right? And you know, in most other religions, God is kind of un unreachable, lofty, mm -hmm. like way over there, right? But actually, like you know, for for uh, for Christians, like God wants us to call Him Father because mm -hmm. He want like relationship is so important, and especially now, um, that could be uh neglected a lot is our relationship with god but also relationship with our loved ones right we could easily neglect that during this time and that's really like um what can help us and sustain us during this time mm -hmm. is, is relationship right for relationship in particular with him i would yeah. say for for someone who's having difficulty calling him the father that calling him their father or thinking of him as their father that that that's an opportunity for them to heal from their wounds with their father. And also to understand that our parents were entrusted, our earth parents were entrusted with the task of teaching us how to navigate this world and, um, and teaching us the truth, right? I mean, wouldn't it have been wonderful if you were born to these parents that said, look, there's an enemy here. Uh, this place, this place can be rough. It can be beautiful. And God created all of this beauty all around us to sustain us, to heal us, to, um, for our joy. And so that we can be in communion with him and we can be with our brothers and sisters and, um, have this family, but there's an enemy here and he's done all kinds of things to, to mess this up and to separate us from him. And so your task in this world is going to be to hold on to your truth to listen to yourself and I'm going to do the best I can to help you do that. And I'm going to acknowledge the mistakes that I make so that you know that I'm not God. And that way, you know that there is a God who's perfect, who's your true parent, right? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? It's not exactly what happened. Our parents were imperfect. Some of them had their own traumas they were acting out. And, it, um, and, and we have the task of healing that now. Yeah. And that, which is also the good news because we don't have to rely on anyone to heal that for us. Mm. No one. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, we are running up to uh, about an hour. And so okay. I wanted to respect your time and all of our participants time. Um, I actually don't even know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think I might've forgotten this, <laughs> mentioned this earlier, but you know, you run your own practice, uh, Carrie Horn and Associates in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. um, where we used to meet before <laughs> uh, all of this. Um, but I don't even know if uh, 
you have a website because I was referred to you uh, when uh, I first um, uh, started meeting with you uh, last year. So do you have a website? Yeah, I do not. <laughs> okay. Everything is okay. referral based. I've never felt the need to do that. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been very blessed in that regard. Um, there is a, the only place that I have that I advertise is on psychologytoday.com. So mm -hmm. um, people are welcome to go on there and type in Carrie Horn or uh, you'll find me on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And before we wrap up, I don't know, do you have any like closing thoughts or closing remarks? Nothing comes to mind. I'm just very grateful that you invited me to do this. Thank you very much. And thank, yeah, thank you. I'm you. so grateful that and honored to be able to work with you. And, and um, it really makes me very happy to hear how much you've grown and what this has done for your spiritual life. Yeah. No, well, trust me when I say the pleasure is all mine and, you know, I'm, benefiting way more than you are so <laughs> yeah thank all right you. well uh thanks again so much and um thank you to all of the participants who got to be a part of today's webinar and uh, if you have any questions you could feel free to email me al at perch.church and i'll be happy to follow up with you and uh maybe process some of the stuff that uh, you might be going through and for our church members who are participating in this right now we will have a brief zoom chat after this to kind of help process uh, some of the stuff that Dr. Horn and I talked about. So um, I, I, I should have sent you the zoom link uh, this week. So go ahead and find that and then we will see you in the zoom room uh, soon. And for everyone who participated. Um, thank you and have a blessed week. Thank you, Al.